before, before we do move on, there's, there's a couple of things I need to, don't want to say get off my chest, but there's a couple of things I need to address here. On Friday of last week, I was talking to a gentleman who said, you were wrong, by the way, about the Pittsburgh Steelers, because I had predicted that the Steelers would not draft a quarterback at number 20 because they didn't have a need at the position. And they did. So I was wrong. However, I was only wrong in that they wouldn't draft a quarterback because I still think they didn't have a need at the position and I think they made a mistake picking Kenny Pickett. So that's my two cents on that one. So uh, Christian, if you're listening, um, that's the only thing I was wrong with in that. But I was 100% right with what I said the first head scratcher was going to be uh, and it was the Houston Texans taking yes. uh, Stingley Jr. at cornerback. I I didn't I didn't know what it was. I just I said this last week, I don't trust the Texans in the draft. They do strange things and I was proved right again. They they took a cornerback who are not taking nothing away from Derek Stingley Jr. I've got nothing against the boy, but I was just shocked if you were looking for a cornerback if that's what you absolutely wanted, and Lovey Smith is going, I want a cornerback. Why would you not take Sauce Gardner? I, I don't see why you wouldn't. And and the fact that there were so many players on the board who were ranked so far ahead of Stingley Jr., I was I was just blown away. Absolutely blown away by that pick. So I just needed to say that I was wrong about the Steelers, but I was a hundred percent right about the Texans. But we are talking about, you know, draft winners and losers. And Jake's last team was the Vikings. And this leads us nicely onto the next segment, which is, of course, Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fails. And we are back with the Vikings. Now, we discussed the Vikings last week, gentlemen. Do you remember that? We spoke about never forget, never forget such a trade. Yes, the Herschel Walker trade, where the yeah. Dallas Cowboys absolutely crippled the Vikings for a decade and then proceeded to dominate the NFL. So that that wasn't on draft day, you know, that was a few weeks into the season, but it was all the draft picks that were shifted around. This next draft day fail does concern the Minnesota Vikings, and it happened on draft day, and this happened twenty years ago. This was in the 2002 NFL draft, okay? And the Vikings coach, Mike Tice, was, you know, he was fairly new to the game, but let's let's put this into perspective. Jake, Dave, I'm going to I'm going to have a wee scenario here, a little bit of role play. Let's say uh, Dave, you are the general manager of a team, okay? Let's say you're the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Jake, you're the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, okay? Right. It's 2002. The draft's coming up. How long, how far in advance do you think you'd begin to start doing your boards for taking your picks? What do you reckon? When would be a a good time to start looking at the college prospects for the 2002 NFL draft? In April 2002, when do you start discussing it when does uh, Dave call Jake into his office for a meeting to discuss who are we going to take in the 2002 NFL draft I'll leave that with you guys what do you think 
I mean, I don't think we really stop. But, but yeah, yes. if, if you want to really yeah. get into the deep, like the, when you're focused on it as a priority, um, I, I'd be thinking maybe six games into the season. That's yeah, I mean, kind of, you yeah. really are. It, it is, it's 24-7, 365 days a year. That's what yeah. you do. You're just thinking about how can I make my team win? And then, of course, once your season has ended, whether or not you make the playoffs, as soon as it has ended, you, you might take, you know, right, guys, season's over. Take a few days to yourself, get some r and and we're coming back, and we've got the draft. So not only do you, of course, have the head coach, but you've got all the coordinators, you've got all the scouts, you've got all the backroom staff constantly evaluating college players. That's what you do, particularly the scouts. This is your job to evaluate players. And the scouts come back and they drop back into the office and say, this is the grades that we have on, I'm going to take a guess here and say minimum 100 players in college. Because I don't know how NFL teams do it, but if I was running an NFL team, I'd want to see at least 100 grades. So we've got the first three rounds taken care of including, you know, possible trades and all that kind of stuff. I'd want every possible scenario, as I'm sure you guys would. So, Dave, you're the general manager, right? And uh, Jake, you're the head coach. I'm, I'm the scout and I come in. Guys, I've got 100 possibilities. These are the grades for the top 100 prospects, in, in our opinion. All the scouts have been doing this from day one. The drafts in three months' time. Let's let's get our, our picks ready. So what do you do? You start getting your picks ready, don't you? You start saying, well, you know, we're picking, oh, you know, 10th, or we're picking 5th, we're going to take this guy here. You know, we're going to, what if he goes before that? Then we'll take this guy. What if he goes, then we'll take this guy. You've got a contingency plan. It's all ready to go, and it's got to run like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Now, it's drafty. Here we are. You're right, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking to yourself, here we are at the NFL draft. It's actually April 20th, 2002. We're in Madison Square Gardens in New York City. You are picking. You've got the, the seventh pick in the draft. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Houston draft, David Carr. Carolina draft, Julius Peppers too. We get Jody Harrington goes off third. Now, the guy that you want is a guy called Ryan Sims. He's a defensive tackle out of North Carolina. This is the guy you want. You know this is the guy you want. What happens is the Dallas, the Kansas City Chiefs are picking six. The Dallas Cowboys are pick. Uh, sorry, Cowboys are picking six. Chiefs are picking eight. You're slap bang in the middle in eight in seventh. Dallas does a trade with Kansas City, last minute trade, and you see the clock, the fifteen minute clock ticking down. It goes to zero. The Chiefs haven't put in their pick. You're the Minnesota Vikings. You know you want Ryan Sims. So what do you do? You pick up the phone and you say, Ryan Sims, write it down, get it up. The the Chiefs have missed their pick. You're on the clock now. You can go ahead. Now, at any point in this, once the clock has hit zero, the Chiefs can still put their pick in. They're allowed to do that, but you're allowed to jump them. Mm -hmm. The Vikings wait nearly 13 minutes to get their pick in, by which point the Kansas City Chiefs have already put their pick in and they got Ryan Sims. The Vikings missed out on the guy they wanted because it took them 12 minutes to put their card up, by which point they were like, 
he's already gone. The Chiefs have already selected him. So you had the 15 minutes that the Chiefs had, plus the 12 minutes extra. It takes you 27 minutes to write down Ryan Sims. And Sims is only spelled with one M, by the way. So it's only it's a very short name. It took them 27 minutes to write that name down and then hand it up. Now, this had never happened before. The only reason that the, the Chiefs essentially ran out of time is because the Cowboys essentially, what had happened was the Cowboys had traded and the Chiefs only had like a minute left. But that clock had been ticking down from Dallas Cowboys. The Vikings had to be sitting there with the card in their hand, but they didn't turn it in. And Mike Tyson was like, oh no, what happened? What happened? This has never happened before. Well, you know what? It'll never happen again. Except for Minnesota Vikings fans who only had to wait one year for it to happen again. And what happened in the 2003 NFL draft was even more spectacular. The 2003 draft was held in the same place, the Madison Square Gardens in New York. This time it was April 26, 2003. Now, you already know, hey, last year, we really messed up in getting that card in. If anything happens this year, we've got the name written down and ready to go. So, where are the Vikings picking? Well, the Vikings are due to pick the uh, with the seventh pick in the draft. They're right behind the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints take Jonathan, Jonathan Sullivan, defensive tackle from Georgia. The Vikings are looking at Byron Leftwich, quarterback out of Marshall. So they sit there and you're waiting for them to hand in the pick. 15 minutes goes by and they don't put the pick in. The Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock. And within 20 seconds, Byron Leftwich's name gets handed up. And because they've done this, the Carolina Panthers are now on the clock. And the Vikings still haven't turned in their card. And the Panthers go up and take offensive tackle Jordan Gross. And the Minnesota Vikings don't pick until ninth. They were seventh. They're now ninth because time expired. They lost two places. And they selected Kevin Williams with a ninth pick. Now, luckily for the Vikings, Kevin Williams turned out to be a pretty good player. He was solid, went to a couple of Pro Bowls. You know, he did well for the Vikings. But they actually missed on the seventh pick and the eighth pick. Now, it was quite fortunate they missed it on Byron Leftwich. Poor guy, suffered a lot of injuries in his career. Didn't prove to be very good. But the fact that you had 15 minutes, didn't put in your pick, and then another 15 minutes and didn't put in your pick, and then the other team's in with seconds, and you're still trying to write the name Kevin Williams down because you've lost Byron Leftwich, you've lost Jordan Gross, and now you're trying to get Kevin Williams because the Ravens were within, I think, about three minutes of jumping the Vikings as well before the Vikings managed to get their pick on the board. And Mike Tice, the coach, just didn't want to talk about it. He's talking to NFL Films about it, and he's like, come on, guys, I don't want to talk about this. Have you got nothing better to talk about? And he goes in a huff with NFL Films, and you're thinking, this is your fault because you're an idiot. Put your card in. you got 15 minutes. That card should have been written down a month ago. It should have been sitting, waiting to go up. And the Vikings lost two spots because they didn't put their card in. And it was 
unbelievable. I really, hopefully sincere, we never see anything like this again. But if we do, I hope it happens to the Minnesota Vikings. And that is Ewan McPhail's draft day fail. I saw today that the Detroit Lions got a stern telling off from the NFL because they picked Aiden Hutchinson too quickly. Their (laughs) card was handed in within 60 seconds of them being informed of Trayvon Walker being uh, going to the Jags at number one. So before the pick was announced on the stage that Trayvon Walker was number one, uh, the Lions had already handed their pick in and it, it kind of caused a bit of trouble with the um, with, with the NFL <laughs> trying to keep things organised. Well, well, we said that, that is, we said that's exactly what would happen. As soon as Trayvon Walker was picked, the Lions should run up and hand in that card and they took it literally. Good they on they yes, certainly yeah, did. Uh, because he would have been the first player they had down. I mean, you're talking about the 2021 Lombardi Award winner. He won the Lot Trophy. He won the Ted Hendricks Award. I, I thought he'd hurt someone go first. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Trayvon Walker is fantastic and he'll do really well for the Jags. But I thought Eden, uh, you know, I was pretty convinced it would be Hutchinson. He's going to be the first guy to go. The Lions obviously had two cards written down and whichever one was taken, throw it away and get the other one up there immediately. But I think with extra vigor, when they saw that Trayvon Walker went first, Eden Hutchinson could be spectacular for the Lions. And yeah, we, we joked about it, but I think you're right. The NFL actually gave them a telling off for that. I mean... Darren I, I, telling off is what the, the, the report I saw today. It was this morning that I saw it. So I, do not just trying to check up on any kind of news that we might have missed. But yeah, apparently a stern telling off from the NFL and the commissioner about timing with the second pick in the draft. Well, but I mean, the, I, I, the I guess... Yeah, I, I guess it's because of, you know, advertising and all that kind of stuff. I, I think absolutely. You that, know, that's that, why you, you see delays with the picks anyway. You know, and they know watch. that, oh, and the first pick is Trayvon Walker, and then they're going to have the re-interview with Trayvon Walker and all that kind of stuff. And if all of a sudden it pings up the pick is in for the Lions within 60 seconds, yeah, then a lot of people are going, who's the Lions picked? You know, that was really quick. Well, obviously, went into thinking who have they picked. We all knew it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson. But, uh, you know, it just kind of takes the shine off of Trayvon Walker a wee touch. You know, the pick is in! Or this been a trade. Could you imagine if there been a trade? The place would have gone nuts. <laughs> um, so I, I can sort of understand that. But, you know, they shouldn't really have a go at the line. They'll just say, okay, thanks for that. We're not going to announce it for another three minutes, by the way, because we've got to do the interview with. Trayvon Walker and we've got to do the photos with Roger Goodell and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why they wouldn't have a backup for that. The NFL is like a $100 billion um, company. I don't even know what the value of the NFL is. It's got to be huge. Um, Do you think they can't have a a small contingency plan for someone putting in a card a bit early? I mean, they they don't have a contingency plans for, um, you know, player bans. So I think it's... um, (laughs) I, I, I don't trust I don't trust the NFL to plan anything really uh, if we're being completely honest but yeah I, I, I think it's a fantastic draft day fail from you and McPhail so yeah I, I believe if you go on to um, if, if you have game pass uh, great if you don't probably on YouTube um, you'll find NFL films just just Google uh, Vikings. Uh, 2002-2003 draft and you'll actually see I think it's Dennis Green who was a former coach of the Vikings 
We'll let him off the hook. <laughs> that, that's the guy. We'll in, <laughs> we, will insert, we will insert the quote here. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Dennis Green was literally screaming at the camera, saying, turn your pick in. Just just give them the piece of paper with the name on it. That's all you have to do. But the Vikings are panicking and they're like, oh no, what's happening? Just give them the paper. That's all, all you need to do. What's wrong with you? Come on. So well, yeah. I hope, the, the, I hope in the, the role play situation that me as, as Tice, you know, it's not my fault. It's the general manager's job. Uh, and, and Dave, I really think after these two years, Dave should lose his job, not me. I mean, I, I would have resigned day one when the Vikings offered me the job. So, uh, you know, I, I would just <laughs> do, I would retired on the spot. No, you know, screw that. I, no you've, um, you've reminded me just when you're, you're talking there about uh, uh, Dennis Green, you know, with his, his soundbite. Back in, oh my goodness, when was it? I've got to say in 1989. Jerry Burns was the coach of the Minnesota Vikings. This was after the, it was either after or just before the Herschel Walker trade. Jerry Burns is already feeling the heat, you know, during this. And they played a game, and I don't remember who the Vikings had played, but the offensive coordinator was getting a lot of stick. A play, this, it's, this sounds weird, so bear with me, guys. I'm trying to set the scene here. And I can't remember who the player was. It was a running back. It wasn't Herschel Walker. But they were running what's called a trap play and the player's shoe came off as he was trying to get up to the line of scrimmage. So they had to call a... Uh, no, no, sorry. The player wasn't ready, so they had to call a timeout. And they're like, oh, what's going on here? And the, the, the offense is on a jumble. And then as they run the play after the timeout, the guy's shoe comes off and like he gets tackled for a loss and the fans are screaming blue murder. And Jerry Burns speaks to the media after that, and goes on a tirade at defending his offensive coordinator. And I don't think there's ever been so many F-bombs in in a, a live interview with a head coach before. He probably broke the bleeper machine when it was actually broadcast. And it was broadcast. I'm going to see if I can find that. And if I can find that somewhere before we get this uploaded, I'm going to insert... Jerry Burns' speech here. Yeah, let me say something. As long as I'm in this job, Snelker will be the offensive coach. I mean, no, no question about that. No, no question about that. Now, we, uh, I don't like to name names. That game. But we, we, can't, we can't be responsible for the blocking. We can't be responsible for the guys jumping offside. We can't be responsible for... We get down there, and, and, uh, and it was a dumb play by, by Anderson. I love, I love Anderson. But it was a dumb play when, he had, when his foot was, uh, shoe was coming off, up the line screen. We were hard and take timeout. We had a trap play called, and, and, and his, his shoe comes off. That, 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 ain't, that ain't Bob Schnelker's fault. We have another trap play, and if Finney picks up his feet, he walks in. We got the pass to uh, 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 AC out there in the flat. He's a ball thrown in the, uh, low. That, that isn't Snelker's fault. We got right down there, we got, we got the second down, and, and I don't know what the hell, two, two yards ago, I don't know what, 15, 40, whatever the hell it was, and, uh, and Irwin uh, uh, jumps offside. No, you, we'll, we'll steer one up, we'll steer one up here before it's done. You know, we, he did a sensational 
job. Kick seven, seven uh, uh, field goals. You can win a game many ways, many ways. Uh, uh, DJ, I, I, I was uh, happy when they kicked the ball to him. Yeah, last week, and on the Giants, Christ, he ran 65 yards. This time he fumbles the ball. What the hell, what the hell can you do? You can't, uh, 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 all you do is you prepare as thoroughly as you can. The guys play their asses off. Honestly, guys. Make sure it's bleeped. Oh, it, it'll be bleeped. It'll be bleeped. Um, <laughs> it's just the most insane thing. You guys can Google it tonight. Mm-hmm. Look up Jerry Burns' um, rant. Or, or Jerry Burns, foul mouth, tirade, whatever you want to call it. Look it up. It is gold. This guy literally just Fs and blinds every second word, defending his offensive coordinator to the hilt. And uh, you don't get, you don't get, uh, <laughs> you don't get coaches doing that these days. <laughs> Jerry Burns, I think it was 1989. I'm pretty sure it was 1989. Going back in it time was. with the old memory there. Um, yeah, but yeah, so that was Ewan McPhail's draft day fails. Um, gentlemen, is there anything we've missed? I think everyone's actual favourite segment is coming up. Oh, no, no we've covered, we've done that. We've done that. <laughs> we've covered everyone's favourite segment. We, G- we do have the the you know consistent segment coming up. We do. Uh, the, the segment that has been with us since day one. Um, it's it's my personal favourite, Jake. Sorry about that. Wow, oh, did not expect this from you. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you guys mutinied on me on draft night. So this is oh, me I taking see. back my ship. Taking back my I ship. See. I'm just going to mutiny even harder now. I'm going to make you walk the plank. Right. So <laughs> mutiny will not be tolerated. Um, right. We do have our next segment, which is, of course, Random Stats. Who would like to start us off with a random stat today? I feel like I've not gone first in a while. I will happily lead us off if that is... All available. yours, Jake. It's all yeah, yours, Go mate. for it. Okay, so my random stat is actually going to be talking about Neos's mistake or, or lack thereof mistake in terms of Kenny Pickett. Um, at number 20, um, he was the latest first quarterback drafted since Jim Druckenmiller. Um, who was drafted in 1997. He went wow. number 26 to the 49ers. Um, that's the, the, the latest um, until Kenny Pickett. Well, obviously Kenny Pickett's um, going number 20. Um, I hope for Kenny Pickett and for Pittsburgh's sake, he has a much better career. Um, good old Jim had one touchdown, four interceptions, or a grand total of 239 yards. Uh, and was drafted to be Steve Young's successor. Obviously, Pickett's been drafted to be Big Ben's successor, and like I say, it would be hard-pressed to have a worse career than that. Um, but yeah, this was, especially taking it back to my hot take last week and MJD saying there's going to be four in the top ten. <laughs> um, there, there, was only, there was only nine in total. Obviously, Pickett at 20. Uh, and we didn't see another one till. I think Desmond Ridder, who was 74th. Uh, Malik Willis went 86th. Matt Corral fell to 94. Um, and then there was a, a couple more, um, including the last pick, the Mr. Irrelevant, who was Brock Purdy to the 49ers. But yeah, the late last. Uh, um, the, the latest we've seen a quarterback, the first quarterback drafted uh, in quite some time. Jim, what? Jim, what? 
Druckenmiller. Ian Rappaport uh, reported it as Drunkenmiller and then corrected himself. And everyone was like, <laughs> you know what? We'll give it a pass. Drunkenmiller. Ah, good guy. Um, it could, if, do you have the info on other quarterbacks that were taken in, in that draft in 1997? I do not. I, I saw one TD, four interceptions, and that was enough to make me close my eyes. <laughs> Um, just thinking that I was like, oh, that's a tough like preseason game. No, that was his career. Um, but I don't know what other quarterbacks were taken that year. Um, the Hall of Famers do not include any. Um, so I can't imagine there was anyone wow. incredible. That's, that's um, pretty poor. But there was probably a better one than Jim uh, Druckenmiller, I oh, would imagine. I was, I was thinking about this year's draft. Um, Carson Strong didn't get drafted. He's with the Eagles, is he now? He is, yes. He was signed as an undrafted free agent. I was surprised. Uh, I mean, the last, the last, you know, his last two years in college, he went, what, 70% percentage pass completion, 6,000 yards, he had 64 touchdowns against 12 picks. I'm surprised no one took a punt on him. He went undrafted. That'll be surprising. But he's with the Eagles now. So there you are. Well, I'll say the, the over and the slash under for the 2023 um, first round quarterbacks is set at 6.5. Um, so MJD is going to have a field day um, on that first <laughs> round. So 12, 12 quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the first in the, the first 12 picks, I think, from MJD. The, yeah. So next year, I'm looking forward to that mock draft already. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's have a look at any other quarterbacks from 1997. Jake Plummer, drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the second round. Uh, he was a pro bowler. And looking down the list here, um, <laughs> he may have been... There were no quarterbacks. Danny Werfel for the Saints. Yeah. Um, the 1997 Saints uh, explains a lot. The 1997 draft was not quarterback heavy. No, so okay, draw uh, drew good comparisons to this one. Chuck Mr. Irrelevant again that yeah. year was a quarterback. Ronnie Makeda to the Packers. So very, very similar draft 1997 to this one, maybe. Definitely. I go. Jake Tillholm was undrafted. Went to the Saints. Yeah, I was just about to say that's the only player that uh, the only quarterback that I actually recognised <laughs> from that draft. Set out on one of the wow. undrafted. That's Maybe that could be Carson Strong. Do you know what? Could be. Could be. Yeah. There you go. That's a good start. I like that. Uh, Dave, would you like me to go next, or do you want to go next? Do you know what? I'll take it for this one. I'll okay. go for number two. Okay. Good. Okay. So. Obviously, we do. It's you know about the draft. Uh, yeah, it's a draft theme, sort of. Um, but I wanted to focus on the other side of things of the players that these draft players are replacing, the ones at what they do after the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so my stat is about a cornerback that played for uh, eleven or twelve seasons with the Chicago Bears, and his name is Charles Tillman, commonly known as Peanut. Now, he, he was drafted in the 2003 draft uh, in the second round. Um, his career stats are, you know, he, he was a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he was a forced fumble leader in 2012. He was the Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2013. 
uh, and he also holds uh, two records in the NFL. So the most forced fumbles in one game, which is at four, he holds that outright. And he uh, holds, he's the tied most forced fumbles in a season at 10 with Robert Mathis. And also one that we, one player, former player that we know very well in the UK, O.C. Omanura, who is obviously a Giants legend on the edge and now a borderline NFL broadcasting legend in the UK. But um, yeah, his, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. His career stats, 44 forced fumbles, uh, nine fumble recoveries, 38 interceptions and nine defensive touchdowns. In a glittering career with the Bears, he did have one year at uh, with the Panthers as well, uh, just to round out his career. But um, yeah, so he what, what he did actually after um, now, obviously he 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 was recognised as someone who wanted to work in the community with his with Walter Pay, Walter Payton uh, Man of the Year award in twenty thirteen. He consistently did that, but this is one of these things we I've seen many times in the news recently about, for example, quarterbacks saying that they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to mentor any rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks coming through into the team. Now, Charles Tillman was a man that wanted to mentor, wanted to be that role model for everyone, anyone that he could be. So what he did after the NFL was he went, did a little bit of studying and went and worked in law enforcement. He wanted to be that positive influence in the community. But what he did, he went another step further with the law enforcement. So he joined the FBI. He is a current Federal Bureau of Investigation agent. And that is after a glittering career over a decade in the NFL. And now what he's doing is still being productive within law enforcement, trying to use his standing and his position you know, for, po- for positive change in communities and you know, helping people out. So I think my stat, the the topic around my stat is that these players need to be role models. And this is a man that really was, even though his nickname is Peanuts, I I don't, I don't really know this kind of story about, around why he's called Peanuts. I'm not sure I want want to know (laughs) what the reason behind him being called Peanuts is. But um, yeah, you know, Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, most forced fumbles in a game, uh, joint most forced fumbles in a season. Yeah. The man, the man was a legend. Two pro bowlers, two pro bowl appearances, I should say as well. Uh, nine defensive touchdowns in in his career as well, which not a lot of players can really uh, brag that they have that those kind of numbers. But um, yeah, my my stat is about the forced fumble king, Charles Tillman, commonly known as Peanut, uh, Chicago Bear, and in my player, in my opinion, he should be a Chicago Bear Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. He he really perfected that punching the ball, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He'd like he'd he just ball his fist yeah. up, and he would almost like po- just point his knuckles at the ball and just punch it. He was so good at that. It seemed like he yeah. did it in every game. That's what it looked like. I think that was just. I think his his style, his tackling style, was very arms, not flaring, but it was targeted flaring. If if that makes sense, he you know he he knew he, his arms were flaring in the ball's direction, which made it any kind of loose grip on the ball, uh, you know, a, a, the perfect target. But I think his stats alone speak for how fantastic and accurate his, um, his, his sort of targeting with his tackling was. I don't want to say targeting because that's a completely different thing. That's a different but, thing uh, together, yeah. 
Yes, but we we know. I, I hopefully we know what we mean, what I mean by that. But you know, it's, it, where his arms are aiming for uh, in that regard. But yeah, a fantastic role model that I think the NFL should take note of. <laughs> he'll he'll so. definitely, definitely be a Ring of Honor guy. I mean, that he was part of that really exciting Bears team. They had Erlacher, they had Briggs, they had, uh, they had Peanut on the defense, and then on the offense they had players like Devin Hester. You know, they they had exciting players, players you could get behind. You know, a very good defense under Lovey Smith, and it is a shame to see kind of the state they're in at the moment. But he was definitely an exciting player to watch because, like you say, you just you knew sooner or later something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know he he was going to be in the thick of it. Uh, I, he yeah he definitely will be. I'm just I'm just trying to imagine that he's an FBI agent, right? And I'm, yes. I'm, it's a scenario I've got in my head of some oh, so I'm just, where you go I, with I'm, this. Just, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, right? You know, some Chicago because he played what his entire career was he? Uh, except from one, his final year was with the Panthers. He, okay, he so, one, sorry. One season with Panthers. So it's an, essentially his entire career with the Bears, right? So a legend in Chicago. Now Im- imagine you're a Chicago crime lord, right? And you're sitting there counting out your money from your ill-gotten gains of uh, foot padding and cut pursing. And uh, and then, like, the door goes out. It's like, trees, FBI. And Peanut Tillman is standing there. You'd think you were, like, on candid camera or something. Like, you were like, this is a joke. What's going on here? <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sorry. That just popped into my head. I don't know why. So I'm not right in the head. There we go. Uh, that's great. I had no idea. He's FBI agent. Ah, fantastic! Yeah. And it, I think it's a fantastic profession to go into. The, you know these big guys that have got speed as well. For you know, over the average Joe, I, I mean, brilliant. <laughs> that, that, that's, run, that's a good boy. Running down criminals. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, forcing fumbles on ill-gotten gains. Of course, yeah, but it'd be, it'd be instead bags of, like, of money know, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, when they're in this neighborhoods, all these all these bad guys running away with big bags of money. He's gonna punch the bag of money out, and there'll be a hundred hundred grand floating in the air for all the people to catch. Oh, Being handcuffed, asking for a selfie. Yeah, I know I'm a bad guy, and I'm going to jail. But can, can you sign my handcuffs? <laughs> I've got your jersey. I'm waiting. Can you sign it? <laughs> Oh, dear, what are we doing, guys? My goodness. <laughs> You've got to take us home now, so, so follow that. Oh, I, I, well, I can't. I can't follow that because my, my random stat is literally a random stat. It's nothing on the Charles Tillman story. That's amazing. Thanks for that, Dave. Um, right, my random stat. Well, you guys uh, know, and anyone who's listened to this show knows I'm a big fan of special teamers. Love them. My very first random stat was about a special team. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, Steve Tasker, who was a gunner for the Buffalo Bills. Um, This is about a special team kick returner. Now, you did mention uh, Devin Hester there, one of the fastest men in the history of the NFL. Uh, But I'm going to talk about another kick returner, also one of the fastest men in the history of the NFL. Ran an unofficial... 427 40-yard dash and um, he was actually NCAA outdoor track and field champion uh, in 2007 and he anchored the 4 by 100 meter relay team to a victory in 38.42 seconds which was the fastest collegiate time that year his name was Trindon Holiday and he was 5 foot 5 
listed at five foot five, but technically five foot four and seven eighths. Very short guy, Trendon Holiday. And Trendon Holiday actually has, I have two random stats about this one guy. Now, the first one is that in 2013, he was playing for the Houston Texans. Um, he played the first, oh, uh, sorry, in, in 2012, I beg your pardon. He was playing for the Houston Texans for the first five games of the season. And then he was traded to the Denver Broncos. Now, the Houston Texans went 5-0 and in the first five games of that season. And the Denver Broncos went 11-0 and in the final 11 games of the season. Trenton Holiday actually went undefeated in 2012, won all 16 games, uh, led the NFL in punt return yards three years, uh, sorry, two years running. But the other random stat is that Trenton Holiday was actually a wide receiver. Now, obviously we know this. You get We spoke with Daniel Sorensen. He's a safety, but, you know, he's a great special teamer. In Trenton Holiday's career, which, to be fair, was not a very long career, it was actually only three years he played. So it's a very, very short career. But he holds 11 franchise records for the Denver Broncos alone. And he only played half of 2012, 2013 for the Broncos. He played like, you know, 11 games in 2012 and then 16 games in 2013 and holds 11 franchise records in kick returns for the Broncos. But the best stat is that is in his entire career, three years, Trenton Holiday caught two passes as a wide receiver and they were on back-to-back plays. So he had one game in that he caught passes, two of them, back-to-back plays, and that was the only receptions in Trenton Holiday's career. He was an incredible kick returner, very, very short uh, career, unfortunately, uh, but... He was just, he was absolutely spectacular. And he was so small that he he, di- he didn't even look like he should have been on an NFL field. He was so tiny, running around. You know, when you've got the, what is it they call it? Is it the wedge? Is that what they call it on kick returns? You have the two-man wedge. And yeah. it's it's always like big, it's like offensive linemen. These big six, seven, six, eight guys. And you've got someone who's five foot four and seven eights behind them he just literally disappeared and then exploded and as i see he ran a 427 40 yard dash but trendon holiday two receptions in his career back to back please that is my but, random stat i remember Trenton holiday um sadly the thing i remember most is when he got absolutely laid out by pat mcafee who then had to do a drug test because he <laughs> that he, is he yes the punter laid him out that's absolutely true. He was he was with the Broncos at the time against the Colts and Pat McAfee knocked him about five yards out of bounds. It's just, it was, it was great to watch. I love punt returners. We've spoken about them so many times on this show. I love punt returners. And Trinan Holiday was one of the best, albeit he had such a short career. And the thing is that, to the best of my knowledge, he... He, you know, he just didn't, nothing happened to him. Like in, 20, in 2015, he, um, on June 3rd, he signed with the Oakland Raiders. He was released on the 1st of September, 2015, and then he never appeared in another team again. And he was, at the time, one of the be- top two or three best 
return men in the entire league. Don't know what happened to Trent and Holiday. So unlike uh, Pina Tillman, well, we know exactly what happened to him afterwards. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, we have no idea what happened to Trent and Holiday. He just seemed to fade away and, and uh, nothing happened. But you know what? He holds umpteen records and... He um, he was national championship in 2007, SEC championship 2007. He led the league in punt return yards, and he's done it all in a very short space of time. But yeah, Trendon Holiday, random stat, two catches on back-to-back plays. Good way to end it, because they define random stat, you know. Like I say, two catches is, is you know, interesting and very cool, considering the impact he had, but the fact that they came on back-to-back plays is... Unheard of. It, it absolutely unheard of. It's like, uh, let's give one to Holiday and give him another one. That's him for his career. Yeah, it's never the throw the ball to him again. <laughs> it's just, okay, that's it. Fantastic. Okay, uh, that's, that's, that's the end of our show. Um, the end of the Winifel show for this week. Uh, next week, we will be looking more at the fallout from the draft and, of course, any other um, signings, re-signings, or um, you know, players being released from teams can't wait looking up, um, ahead to the season it's go now we're waiting for um, the OTAs and the mini camps can't wait for that it's a long slog until then but we've got plenty of stuff to keep you entertained with here in the NFL show and you know I'm sure Jake and Dave will be able to bring us plenty of good news from around the league and of course we'll always have random stats we'll always have draft day fails we'll always have jake's hot takes and next week we're going to be bringing you a brand new segment presented by our very own dave somerville so we're looking forward to that um gentlemen is there anything you want to say before we sign off uh, uh, yeah, oh. big shout out to Kenny Pickett for new number one quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers fantastic good job for don't him. disrespect Mitch <laughs> I may have been wrong that they were going to pick a quarterback but I was not wrong that they didn't need one Mitch is going all out swinging this year King Kenny King Kenny of the Steelers let's go oh my goodness Jake you got anything uh, just a schedule release should come out just around uh, or before next week's show, uh, next week's show as well so something to look forward to again fantastic uh, gentlemen once again it's been a pleasure it's always a pleasure doing with this with you guys and um, I hope uh, everyone listening in will uh, thank you very much for tuning into the show and we will see you next week on the WinFL show <laughs>